0: Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast, as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with the manager of the 2022 World Series champion, Houston Astros, Dusty Baker.
1: Baseball stuff! Baseball stuff!
0: And now, here's Here's your your host, Brett Boone. Boone. Welcome to the Boone
2: Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. And today on the program, I sit down the, with a man that for the better part of 50 years, he's been in the big leagues as a player, he's a two-time All-Star and a World Series champ. And this past season, this three-time manager of the year was the skipper of the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Dusty Baker. Dusty, thanks for coming on the program.
1: Hey, man, no problem, man. You know, I've always admired you as a person and a player. And, uh, Hey man, you used to, you used to hit us pretty hard in the, in the old days.
2: <laughs> you've been, you've been around for so long and I was so happy for you this year. It was really cool seeing you. You had, by the way, you had the best team too, but it was really yeah. cool seeing it come to fruition and, yeah. um. Now, congratulations. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, Our be... guys,
1: uh, our, our plays, you know, our guys play well together. And uh, the thing that I said uh, they never alibi, never complain and no excuses. And for a are even a parent, you know, uh, I mean, you know when you screw something up, just say hey, I screwed it up. And, you know, no alibis, no excuses. I don't want to hear it. it's too cold, it's too hot just go out there and play because it's hot on our side, just like it's hot on their side. that's the thing I loved about this team. Yeah. You know, I mean, this team uh, came to play and they came to play every day and they came to play together.
2: I'll tell you the last, I mean, they've been on, you know, you and Houston, you've been there the last three years and it, and it's been, uh, I've been watching this team for about five years and, and I've, Kind of been envious from afar. You know, I was as a player, especially later in my career, I I really got into the mental side of the game and how to prepare as a player for 162 games, how to prepare, especially to be an offensive player. I learned a lot from Edgar Martinez. I picked his brain and I said, How do you prepare for each and every bat? How, why do you have two batting titles? How can you help me be better? And what we did on those early 2000 Mariners teams as a team, I really Ooh. there's a lot of similarities when I watch that Astros team. And, and you know, I, I talk all the time, the game and I'm following and people bring the Astros and I'll say, I'll tell you, they're very astute offensive ball club. I don't know who the actual leader is, but between Bregman and Altuve, you know, Correa has right. gone in and out. You had Springer a few years ago. It seems like they're talking the game up and down that lineup, and they're amongst each other like, hey, you know, we come back as players and we always say, hey, you know, pretty good. What was that last pitch? a pretty good breaking ball. But these guys are really talking like what they're going to do to you in a situation, and it's cool to me because that's kind of my passion is that game inside the game, the cat and mouse. What is this pitcher going to try to get me out with in this situation? And I think the Astros are the epitome of that up and down that lineup.
1: Well, the thing about it is that, is that they're prepared before the game. You know, I mean, they know a, a, a pitcher's tendencies. They know what he might throw in a certain situation. You know, if he needs a double play, he's going to try a slider uh, down and away or a sinker down and in to make you hit the ball on the ground. They know what a, what a, what a, uh, a pitcher's primary strikeout pitch is. I mean, these guys—they study, and, and you name the guys. I mean, Bregman has a heck of an idea, and he's not afraid to or ashamed to, you know, to share his ideas. You know, like I've played with some guys, and you probably have too, that you know, they don't want to share what they have, and uh, you know, for fear of they might get traded, or, or 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 you know, for whatever reason. But these guys, I mean, they're welcome to share with each other. Uh, uh I've never seen a guy struggle, like in the playoffs, happy, genuinely happy, everybody else on the team, like Jose out did. And, and you might have an eye on it. And, you know, at a minute, you just get, you know, keep your pulse, you know, the, uh, uh, the pole on your team. You uh, try to figure out, okay, who's here, who's this, who's that. And I'm telling you, I mean, these guys—they love each other. And I remember talking to Bill Russell years old, and I told my team this. And uh, you know, I was i couldn't stand the Celtics because uh, they won all the time. And against the against the Lakers, I was a Lakers fan. Elgin Baylor, you know, from the Northwest, uh, you know, from Seattle University. He was my man. And so, uh, I asked Bill Russell. I said, Bill, I said, hey man, what was the se- You know, what was the secret to? the Celtics success. I thought he was going to say red Auerbach or rebounding or passing her, And he told me that they loved each other. And I, I mean, I found that uh, like, like astounded, uh, like I was just astounded by his answer. I, I just stared at him and he, and he looked at me and he goes, what's wrong? I said, that's not the answer that I expected or the answer that I was looking for. And he goes, well, that's, that's what it was. He, he, and the teams love each other. And I'm sure you guys probably, had the same kind of feeling up there in Seattle. I mean, you know, brothers fight. I mean, you got a couple brothers. I got a couple brothers. But, uh, hey, man, but we love each other. And uh, it's okay for us to to not get along sometime and fight every once in a while. But you better not touch my brother or else. <laughs> you know, one's going to hit you and the other's going to kick you. And so, uh, you know, that's a sign of a, a good team that really loves each other.
2: I agree with that. And, you know, as a player, I went through different phases of my career. In 99, I was on the Atlanta Braves team. We were a great team. I I think we won Mm 104, 105 games. We ended up losing the World Series to the Yankees. Yeah, Yeah. At that stage of our (laughs) career, of my career, when people would say team chemistry, oh, they have this chemistry. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought it was BS, Dusty. I said, you know – This Atlanta Braves team, we had a ton of talent and we just steamrolled everybody. That's why we were good. Well, my, and to your point of loving one another, my attitude towards that completely changed. My early 2000 years with the Seattle Mariners team, we were a very talented team. We had. Gold glove winner. You know, we had Johnny Olerud at first base. Edgar was our DH. Oh. That was the first year of Ichiro. We had a Mike Cameron in center field. Uh, Dan Wilson behind the plate. We had a, a veteran pitching staff. But we weren't the greatest team ever assembled, but we played like it. Uh, we won 116 right. games that year, and it completely, changed. Games, it completely changed my thought on right. team chemistry. And, and I think to your point, that team loved each other. Everybody on that mm-hmm. team from 1 through 25, I know now it's a 26 man roster, but 1 yeah. through 25 on any given night could go to dinner with anybody else on that team. And that was right. the first time there was that kind of camaraderie where I said, there is something to team chemistry. There is something you know, about caring about that next know, guy.
1: You know, Brett, I've talked to uh, some modern people. Uh, uh, and there's some people that are just straight numbers people, and they told me, that there's no such thing as team chemistry or camaraderie. And I'm like, man, evidently you've never been on a team. Okay. Cause uh, if you've ever been on a team, uh, any team, especially for a period of time, uh, each year is different, but each team is different and you can tell when you have it and when you don't have it, and you can tell who the common denominator people are, uh, on your team that, 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 that keep everybody together. You know, when I first took over the to San Francisco giants in my first job and uh, you know, we had some great players. We had Barry bonds, we had Will Clark, we had Matt Williams. I mean, we had some, some, some guys that could play, but I was trying to identify, you know, who my leaders were and Al Addles who's, you know, one of my mentors as well as uh, Bill Walsh told me, he said, Dusty before you appoint a leader or, or or a captain, you know, which I've never done before. He says, he says, let the players tell you, you know, who the leaders are or who they want to follow. And I was standing behind a batting cage, and uh, <clears throat> and uh, I saw like Robbie Thompson by himself at second base. And then within probably four or five minutes, there were three or four guys around Robbie. And then Willie McGee was in right by himself. And then there were. Within minutes, there were four or five guys around around Willie McGee, and so I was like, "Oh, okay." And I invited them to go to uh, um, uh, the Princess Hotel where Andre Agassi night. And you know, I like tennis, but you know, I had better things to do than go to a tennis match. And I said, "Hey, hey, Robbie, you guys want to go to a tennis match with me?" And they said, "Oh yeah, we'll go." Uh, Robbie and Willie McGee, so, so they said, "We'll ride with you." I said, "No, you guys ride together." And uh, so I put them. Uh, and we well in the car together, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and they, you know, they weren't talking at all. And I was like, "Oh man, this ain't working." And so, next thing I know, within a couple more minutes, now they're talking, and I'm looking in the rear-view mirror, and they're talking the whole way out there, and they talked through the whole tennis tournament. And and that day uh, uh, really showed me a lot. It showed me that your leaders are are anointed and not appointed by. By their teammates, because if I appoint somebody, that might not be the guy that they want to follow, and uh, uh, you know that was a valuable, valuable lesson. We went, I mean, that year we won 103 games. We were talented, but also whenever I I wanted something done or whenever I I needed something on the field or off the field, I'd go to Robbie Thompson and 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 Willie McGee. And I think that's very important that you have to identify who your leaders
2: are. That's really interesting because you're right. If, if you just it as the skipper and say, this is going to be the guy, well, half the clubhouse might go, wait a minute, Dusty doesn't know what it's like <laughs> living with this guy. He's, he's in his office yeah. all the time. But yeah, that's, that's right. a really it, interesting it, it, point of, of finding it out for yourself and, and just letting it happen. And go, oh, this works or ah, always, man, that didn't work. But
1: it's not always your best player. See, that's what right. people think. People think your best player is supposed to be your your leader. No, he, he may not be a leader at all, but he's still your best player. He, right. mean, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of times your best players, I mean your leaders are aren't the best players on your team.
2: The Dusty Baker today, we all we all know. Uh I want to talk a little bit about some of the important people in your life. And I want to start with, with your dad, Johnny Baker. Yep. And recently you've been wearing the Baker jr. It, when I was playing mm-hmm. against you for years, it was just Baker, but right. um, now it's junior. Tell me about dad. And most importantly, wh- how did dad help you be a great dad?
1: Well, number one, my dad was my little league coach. And before me, he was Barry bonds, not Barry Bobby bonds, little league coach. And, uh, in our town of Riverside, California, where I, where I was born. And I left at 15 to come to, to Northern California. Bobby was the man. And, uh, um, you know, my dad, Bobby's four or five years older, than, uh, older than me. And my dad actually cut me from his little league team. And I was eight, nine and 10. Cause he said I had a bad attitude and, uh, during tryouts, I, I struck out and I threw my bat up against the backstop cause I had a terrible temper. You'll probably relate to this. And then, <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then, next year, I uh, missed the ground ball. And I threw my glove down the dirt. The next year, my best friend told me he was going to hit me I, during tryouts, and he hit me. And I, I wanted to quit and get a of My dad said no son of his was going to ever quit at anything. And he had too much money invested in me in that $9.99 uh, 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 Ted Williams, Sears, and Robux gloves. And uh, you know, my dad was uh, my dad was strict, but but my dad believed that you know, love is is discipline, and uh, uh, you know, just letting a kid do what he wants to do that's not necessarily love. I mean, you half the time you're going to end up getting him out of jail or something. And uh, you know, as a kid coming up, I was not afraid of anybody. I wasn't afraid of the, the police. I wasn't afraid of uh, teachers. I wasn't afraid of anybody. I was afraid of my dad. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of uh, uh, respect and fear uh, uh, combination of my dad. And, see, I was the oldest of five. And, and I'm Johnny B. Baker, Jr., but my dad never called me Jr. And he never let anybody else call me Jr. And, uh, you know, my dad was a very proud man, a very proud black man. My dad had two jobs. He worked uh, for 35 years. I was the oldest. You know, I would cut lines with him on the second job, you know, he worked for the military as a, as a civilian, um, that taught us, you know, to be a proud family, a proud black family. But my mom was about education and my dad was the enforcer of that education. And, uh, you know, and my dad always used to tell us the same thing. I tell my son that, uh, uh, you may not be the best player, but nobody outworks you. And, uh, that's, that's uh, something that I've always tried to do. Um, you know, in my life, you know, work hard. Um, I, I really didn't really like baseball. I love football. I love basketball. I even ran track. I went to state track meet and my dad, like I said, he worked two jobs, but he always supported me. And, uh, you know, when the young boys start wearing the juniors on the back of their, their jerseys and some of them were, 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 were kids. They were seniors. I said, man, this guy's a senior. He got a baby already. And see, I did that in honor of my dad. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to be Johnny B Baker jr. And I tell people that if I could just be just a chip off the old block of my dad and my dad was the strongest, uh, you know, God fearing hard working man that I've ever met. And my dad keeps, you know, to this day kept me motivated. We lost the uh, uh ninety three no we lost two thousand uh two thousand and two to the Angels. Uh see back in the day guys uh negative motivation, the old dudes used to use negative motivation, which doesn't work today. And uh you know, they'd say, Hey man, you can't do this or you're not be good at this and that and then back then we'd say, Oh, I'll show you but now if you say a kid, tell that to a kid, you know, they'll sit out on you and say, for a, well, forget it. I guess I'm not any good. And uh, the last thing that my dad told me after that World Series, he says, because uh, we were up three to two. And my, and my dad goes, son, you know, if you don't, you know, if you didn't win that World Series, you may never uh, win one. And, uh, and I know what he was doing, but I didn't like what he said. But, you know, that was on my mind the whole time, and that was on my mind as, as to why I, I'm still managing, uh, you know, you know, to show my dad. And uh, during the playoffs in this World Series, you know, I, I, I'd get in a tight and not really kind of know what to do. Sometimes you're trying to make up your mind on, on and make a decision. Do I take this guy out or leave the guy in? And I would actually, like, look up to heaven and ask my dad, Hey dad, you know, what do you think? And I'd ask, you know, Hank Aaron and some of the greats that preceded me, uh, you know, made me who I am. And sometimes, uh, I mean, my dad never answered. If he'd answered me, then I, I might've run, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I could see him smiling at me or I could see his displeasure and, uh, you know, uh, I know we live in a day of stats and this and that, but sometimes you got to get those feelings from, from above or the feelings from inside to go along with, with the, uh, you know, what the stats say or don't say.
2: That's really interesting too. You talk about when he told you that in 2002, and, and I remember that, I remember that mm-hmm. angel series cause the angels, uh, they, they tracked us down the stretch to, to knock us mm-hmm. out and, and them in. And I remember yeah. that series, and uh for him to say that to you, and you now at this stage you are well traveled grown man going dad i yeah. know I know what you're trying to do, but it's still yeah. pissing me off, but you you held that you held on to that and and for yeah, to but, all but, to, and
1: you and you know something i mean I, I don't know about your dad I, I I mean I know your dad well, but you know you didn't talk back to my dad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you're right. It, he was the enforcer when w- my whole childhood, Dusty, uh, yeah. dad was in the big leagues through when I was an A ball. So my whole um, life was him, on, yeah. you know, him being a big league baseball player, being on the road half the time. I mm-hmm. spent a ton of time with my mom, but he was mm-hmm. the enforcer and I was scared of him. Dad never hit me, but no. I'll tell you what. He Boy, would man, he'd scare me that look. the crap out of <laughs> No, he grabbed me he'd by my me collar. Look. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, that's exactly. <laughs>
2: and, and I would just be like, "Oh, Dad's coming home. Mom, come on, don't be telling on me. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Well, you're gonna hey, you're man. gonna have hell to pay." And I'm thinking, if I got two days before Dad comes off that road trip, I can smooth it over yeah. with Mom. But if it was yeah. fresh, oh, I was a truck.
1: Oh. Hey man, same thing. Hey, my mom would tell me, "Wait till your dad gets home." I'm like, mom, that's the epitome of walking death rope. You know what I mean? Because like <laughs> my dad got home religiously in like 10 minutes after four. And, 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 and I was like, mom, please don't tell dad, but Hey, that was her job. And you know, something I was like, dad, I'm not going to do it again. He goes, Oh, I know you're not, <laughs> 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 you know, and like, and like I told people, you know, like, you know, love is, love is disciplined. Now, now, You know, I feel – I mean, my son was in the dugout uh, much like you and your brothers were. And I remember going into Philadelphia, and you guys would be playing uh, ball before the game. You guys would be playing ball after the game. And, see, you didn't – because, see, I had a daughter at the time, and and I didn't have a son. And so I used to go out – and be peeking out of the dugout, watching you guys play ball out there. You know, wishing that I had. A, I love my daughter, but I was wishing, you know, that I had a son. And and, and when I looked up there, it seemed like there were booms everywhere. I don't booms everywhere. I, uh, who else out there? I think the bells were out there. Uh, uh, man, I saw everybody's son out there playing ball, and I kind of missed that. Now, because you don't hardly see them out there playing ball. You know, they don't hardly allow them out there to play uh, ball. And I I was thinking about, you know, I'm a grandfather now. You know, my daughter's over my house right now. I have two grandsons. And I never knew my grandparents because they died before I was born. And I was like, man, I mean, I was thinking about you. And uh, what's your grandfather's name? Ray Boone?
2: Ray Boone, yeah.
1: Yeah. Did you know him?
2: I know Gramps well. Gramps was following me around. Gramps passed away in 2004, so he got to see, uh, you know, he was with me my whole life, and then he got to see the majority of my big league career. And believe me, Dusty, you talk about dads being hard on you. Well, Gramps Mm -hmm. was the epitome (laughs) because he played in the 40s and the 50s. And yeah, he, he, he lived in San Diego. So we'd come to San Diego yeah. to play the Padres. And after the game, you know how, when you got a lot of family, you got to come out, meet, Oh read. yeah. Gramps mm-hmm. would be in the back cause he needed his personal time with me. And it didn't, really? Dusty, it didn't matter how good a game I had. I'd come out of there, yeah. uh, three for four with a home, a three run Homer and, and a double yeah. play to end the game. And I, I'd go over to Gramps. I said, Gramps, what's going on? Say, hey, um, what about that fourth at bat? <laughs> yeah. like, Grabs. what about the other three? He goes, ah, I don't care about the other three. What about no, that? You know, he's going to, you yeah, know, he's going to bounce that slider with two strikes. Work.
1: Hey, that's why the old dudes were at my dad. I'd say I did two home runs. I swear and, and get a third hit and I'd strike out. And I'd say, uh, dad, uh, you know, how'd I do at best? My dad would tell me I did pretty good. He never would tell me I did good. He never told me I did great. I scored five touchdowns. He'd tell me, oh, Dad, he says, oh, son, you did pretty good. I'll tell you you this, though. Tell me how I am now a little bit, you know?
2: Tell me if I'm wrong, though. Yeah. When your dad would say that to you, to your face, yeah. and, and probably yeah. as you grew up and became a young man, that a man, mm-hmm. you probably mm-hmm. knew. Like you said, when he told you that in 2002, you, you were well-versed enough by this point to know what he was oh, doing. Yeah. But as a kid, sometimes we don't know. I got to a point with my yeah. grandpa where he would never – give me that big compliment to my family. But I'd turn yeah. around, and I know when he left there, he'd tell anybody within shouting distance how great his grandson too. was. I ain't lying. Yep.
1: My dad did the, He was the same way. I was like, he, guys that come up and said, oh, man, your dad was bragging on you. I said, really? My dad? Yeah. He goes, oh, yeah, my dad. My dad said, you're going to be great, man. You're this and that. And then every time I see my dad, just say, son, you did pretty
2: good. You know what that's I mean? Right. So that's right. That's how, how they
1: do it. That's how the old dudes work. You know what I mean? That's how they so, do it.
2: That's how they do it. Oh, yeah. We miss them. We miss them. You mentioned uh, Henry Aaron, and I'm fascinated with Henry Aaron. My one year in mm-hmm. Atlanta, I got to meet and, and talk to Hank. I get frustrated in the game of baseball when when people come out and they're ranking these great players of all time, and you know which is really tough to do because each generation yeah, is different. I think you can only uh, you judge people on their generation against their peers. You can't judge a, a Babe Ruth against a Barry Bond. It's just apples and oranges. But True that when it when it comes to to Henry Aaron, I get frustrated because this guy was so good, and and I think he's misinterpreted as the home run king. Oh, home run Hank. Mm -hmm. He was so much more of that. I get frustrated with people. I said, he wasn't just a home run hitter. This guy was a stud. I said, pull up his numbers and read that bio right there. Not only was he that, he was a great great defender. He stole bases. He hit 300 every year. He was a lot more than a home run hitter. I know you were on uh, as a young player he played a big role in your life, maybe even yep. getting you to sign to begin with. I had um, I had Daryl Evans on, as you mentioned. He was a mm-hmm. part of that early Braves team that you that you were a yep. part of. He couldn't say enough great things about Hank. But speak to yep. me about Hank, because that time in in history, uh, you saw the best and worst of people, especially when Hank was chasing down uh, that home run record. But I know he was an influence on you uh, when the draft came around with the Braves. Talk a little bit about Hank Aaron.
1: Well, you know, first I was going to tell you, D- Daryl Evans and I played together, in in Double A AA and Triple A, and and we traded for Daryl from from the from Oakland A's, and I use Daryl Evans, Reggie Smith, and these guys now when I especially against left hand hitters because they couldn't pull the ball; they're opposite field hitters. And, and, and they, and they learned how to pull the ball and see. I'll take the kid now that I can hit that ball the other way and teach him how to pull versus a kid that's a pull hitter to try to teach him how to go the opposite way. But, uh, you know, to get to Hank, Hank was responsible for, cause I had a number of uh, football and base, uh, basketball scholarships, a couple track scholarships and none in baseball. And my parents had just gotten divorced. I was the oldest of five, and my and I just my high school, my last two years, of my dad moved to Northern California. There's only two blacks in the high school, me and my brother, and this is he's six, sixty-seven, and so <clears throat> um, uh, you know the economic spokes were off the wheel. Uh, you know there were five kids, and uh, you know when my mom and dad broke up. Boy, here I was now the man of the house, and so uh, I had to make some decisions and, um, you know, my dad wanted me to go to the university of Santa Clara, which I didn't mind going, but I didn't want to go to a, 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 a predominantly white rich school again. You know, I wanted to go to USC or, or, or Arizona state or one of those. So I could have a good time and, you know, not have to study so hard <laughs> and, uh, so my mom and I flew to LA and all the, oh, the night of the draft, I prayed. I said, Lord, please don't let me get drafted by the Atlanta praise because I don't want to go to the South. At that time there was racial unrest. There were riots. There, were, there was nonconformity of all forms. So, you know, anti-Vietnam, uh, you know, whatever, uh, people were against, you know, they were against. And, uh, so the night of the draft, the next day I got called to, Hey man, uh, Dusty, you're fortunate uh, they get drafted a proud member of the Atlanta Braves. And I'm like, Lord, you didn't hear me. And so my mom and I flew to LA, worked out at the stadium. Uh, and I had about two weeks where I had to make up my mind because, uh, you know, I had to go draft. it. I couldn't have got drafted till I was 21 or, or my, my class graduated. And so Hank Aaron promised my mother that if that – you know, that if I signed, he would take care of me as it follows his, his son, make me go to church. church, make me, you know, quit a you know, he I, was I know he taught. And so, um, and he says, Hey man, if you uh, have enough confidence that, that, uh, that, that you'll be in the big leagues by the time your class would have graduated, then go ahead and sign. If not, then go to college. And so, I signed with the Braves. Um, you know, my dad uh, was totally against it. You know, my dad took our country. I my kid to court, and it was me and my mom against, uh, and our lawyer against my dad. Going to to couldn't child prodigy law, um, and the state of California was the uh, trustee over my finances. And they and they, and they uh, invested in IBM stock and uh, Standard Oil of California, and I got my money when I was 21, and my money tripled, and all of a sudden, you know, like I wouldn't talk to my dad for those three years, and then all of a sudden, uh, I was like, well, maybe maybe my pops ain't too bad, and uh, you know, maybe dad knew what he was doing, and you know, we became best friends again. But Hank, uh, um, you know, took care of me. And uh, you know, he taught me a lot on the field, off the field. I got to meet all the civic leaders of that time. Uh, you know, uh, Andrew Young was in at Atlanta. Uh, Jesse Jackson in Chicago. Ted Abbott, in Atlanta. Uh, you know, Jimmy Carter was a mayor, uh, not the mayor. He was a governor of uh, Georgia. And you know, I was closer in age to to Hank's kids than I was to Hank. And I just called all of them, uh, you know, the other day, including Billy. I'm, you know, I was there when they met Billy. And so, uh, uh, you know, his wife, uh, um, you know, his second wife. And so uh, I used to go out and play jacks with the kids and uh, <laughs> and play basketball, you know, with and I they played basketball. And so, you know, Hank was very special in my life to the day, you know, that he, he died. There were a couple of times when I disappointed him um, any and, and, uh, you know, I feel badly like your or, your, or your uncle or anybody that you're, you're close to, you know, he kept me straight in a number of ways. Yeah. Well, anyway, you know, I have a million stories, you know, about Hank and, um, you know, I uh, was um, asking Hank Aaron, who was the toughest pitcher that he ever faced, and he told me Sandy Koufax. And so, uh, when I got to the Dodgers, I asked Sandy Koufax, you know, who's the toughest hitter he ever faced, and he told me Bad Henry because that's what that's what Sandy <laughs> called him. And I was like, dang, man, here's two Hall of Famers <laughs> saying that they're the toughest. And, and, and I guess Hank had had pretty good success against him. But, I mean, Sandy called him bad injury. And, see, when I got to the Dodgers, I was so, I was so lucky when I got traded to the Dodgers because I, I, I had had enough. I wanted to go back home, go back out to the West because, see, when when Hank, when they didn't re-sign Hank uh, in the 75 season, we were lost. Uh, Daryl Evans and all of us were lost, man. Because Hank was our protector. You know, he would help us uh, uh, when our contract. Was said, one year, I held out uh, for for five thousand dollars. They didn't let me come to spring training, and uh, and Hank, you know, went upstairs and and said, "Hey, man, you know, we need this as the team." And you know, I was like, uh, you know, thank you, Hank. I mean, whatever we needed, and and at that end of that seventy five season um i went in and i said hey man please trade me and uh and um and so they said well uh, you ever been to cleveland and i like man no never been to cleveland so they they didn't trade me a couple weeks went on and i asked and, and i went in i said hey man are you going to trade me he says uh have you ever been to cleveland so i went to hank i said hank how come every time <laughs> I I mentioned getting traded. They asked me, I've ever been to Cleveland. He goes, well, and back then, you didn't want to go to Cleveland. Cleveland wasn't the same Cleveland it is now. The ballpark, the the organization, or anything. And they traded me to L.A. And, uh, and Tommy Davis was my hero as a, as a kid in baseball. You know, I had Elgin Baylor in basketball. I had, like, uh, Jim Brown and Gale Sayers in football. I had heroes in every sport. And Tommy Davis wore number 12. I always wore number 12 because of Tommy Davis. And uh, then when I got to L.A., you know, I got to meet Tommy Davis. Uh, Jim Gilliam was our coach. Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale, all the guys that I grew up, you know, idolizing. And, uh, um, and and you know, uh, Don Newcomb, um, you name him you know, Roy Campanella. I mean, these guys, I went from, from Hank to, to, to more guys, you know, looking after me in LA and, uh, you know, I, I was just so blessed that, that, that I signed, uh, baseball because, uh, that was one of the best things I think that ever happened to me, uh, was, was to sign with the Atlanta Braves going to the South, meeting the great people that I met and then coming back, you know, to the West to, you know, to win some, some pennants and championships.
2: I'm I'm always fascinated with guys that, you know, played with my grandpa, you know, cuz I still that you know, he was gone he he passed away in 2004 like I mentioned earlier. But mm-hmm. man, the stories he had about the Ted Williams Whoa. and he he had so many stories that when you're a kid, you, yeah, Gramps, I've heard that. That's like the tenth time you told me. Mm-hmm. But man, I miss those stories now. And a guy your first skipper was Eddie Matthews. I think he played against oh, yeah. Grandpa. Cool stuff like that. Oh, Eddie from San the, Diego. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah Yeah. And, and, and when and you,
1: Eddie, Eddie is the one that taught Daryl Evans how to pull the ball. Because Daryl couldn't pull the ball. And uh, you know, Eddie Eddie taught him how to pull the ball. And uh and then Daryl went on to hit uh, 400 and something home runs and, and Daryl couldn't hit the ball to left field anymore but he sure he certainly learned you know you know how to pull and um you know when I look at uh, you know a lot of these greats man I I remember uh, uh you know a lot of the stuff I use now uh, most of it I use now, and I and I t- tell I preface it by look. This is not me making this up. Somebody gave it to me, and my dad would always tell me it's not up to you, to to take it and possess it. It's up to you to give it the same way that it was given to you. you no, know, whether they accept it or not, that's something else. But Hank used to always tell me, "He goes, Dusty, do you understand? You know, he'd tell me things, right? You know how to hit Tom Fever or how to hit." Steve Crofton, make the ball be up or make the ball be down. He always had a game plan and did see he didn't have a scouting report. It was in his head. You know, he knew guys going to throw me slider, sinker, boom, 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 try to make me hit into a double play. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I was like, okay, I understand. I understand. And I remember one day him telling me, he goes, watch this shortstop, man. He'll move right before the pitch in that hole over there. Oh, he, he said, and he asked me, did you see it? I oh, said, so, oh, yeah, Hank, I, saw, I didn't see nothing. And so he just said, Dusty, do me a favor. He says, you may not understand it, but the, the secret is to retain it. And if you retain it, then someday you may see it. And then, I, you know, it took me five years to see that shirt stop move in the hole over there. I saw Ollie Smith move in the hole and uh, right before the pitch. And I was like, dang, that's what Hank was talking about. He threw me, John Bukovic threw me a. Uh, not I me, mean, not John Vukovic. Um, um, uh, uh What's Vuk's first name? Um, he threw me a Bukovitch threw me a a flyer and I hit it oh, off. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Hanks.
2: I know what Vukovic you're talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can't think of his and, first name. Yeah, and, and,
1: and then and then we was calling him Vuk. Next day he came up with he said, "Man, I hit that ball with ballpark." And Hank also told me, "Don't brag." Like I hear these guys on the on the post game show. Don't say I was looking for a slider. Don't say. Just say, hey, look, he hung it. He probably didn't throw it where he wanted to throw it. And then the next day, he'll probably throw you the same thing. And now you got two home runs instead of one. You know what I mean? And this is, this is. And he told me, don't, don't, don't showboat. Don't show up the opposition. And and that, that that's a little kind of. I mean, I know you probably did a backflip with some of these guys, but see, we were taught. Not to do that, and don't show up the opposition because if you did, the the pitcher back in those days they asked me, "What's the difference between uh, hitting now and hitting before?" And that the major difference is the knockdown pitch. And then see back then they were like, "Okay, can you hit a slider? Okay, can you hit the fastball? Can you hit a sinker? Can you hit this and that?" Then the next thing they want to know is how you hit on your back, and uh, the, and it's not the velocity. Uh, cause velocity doesn't really bother a good hitter now, but, but nobody likes to get knocked down or as most people don't like to get knocked
2: down. Now, in the beginning of my career, my first year was 92. I think it was your first year as uh no, that was your last year as coach before you took over uh skipper of the I Giants. Was a batting coach. Yep, yep. Yeah. I, my first year was 92. I got called up and i remember it was that like my third big league game i'm just getting there i might dusty and you knew my my temper especially when i was young <laughs> uh, you know I, I think i grew up and matured a little bit as time went on but in the beginning man i was my hair yeah, was on bit, fire i was sw- <laughs> yeah i was swinging hard and and i remember yeah. that third game uh facing roger clements in boston in my first at bat I smoke a ball up the box, you know, right past his ear for a base hit. He's kind of jawing at me. Mm -hmm. I'm on first base. And this is back where you don't take that big swing off. And I'm kind of like, F you. I I don't care who's on the mound. You know, inside, I'm terrified. But I can't back down to him. My next at bat, I'll never forget it. He throws me a fastball in the corner, strike one. And the next pitch, bing, hits me in the head. Now, he doesn't hit me solid, it was one of those, you know, just a glancing blow. But I went yeah. down in the dirt. I didn't know what to do, Dusty. It's my third day in the big leagues. I know he hit me on purpose. If I'm in the minor yeah. leagues, I go get the pitcher. But I'm like, I can't go get Roger <laughs> This is only my third day in the big leagues. So yeah. that's how I was kind of initiated in the big leagues. It was yeah. that type of mentality. It's an eye for an eye. You want to give signs from yeah. second base? That's fine. Go ahead. And I'll take the exactly. sign. But don't let me catch you. Because yeah. if you, if yeah, I catch be- you, you're gonna wear it, and once you wear that's it, right. that's hey, okay. Hey, it's over with. Let's move on. There. But that's, that's how right. the game was you played. You deserve it.
1: Right. The other day, I was watching a game by uh, uh, Lenny Randall with my son. You know, they're showing some highlights, and they uh, Lenny Randall bunted towards first base, and then <laughs> oh, red, oh, right, oh, when oh and he gets tackled, back. or no, he tackles a yeah, pitcher. You, yeah, did you see that?
2: That's um, the greatest that's- I've ever seen. I know, but I told my son, I said, son, that's what you did
1: back in the day if somebody was throwing at you. And I told him, I remember, you know, Mario Soto, you know, who ended up being a, a buddy of mine later. Uh, and Johnny McNamara was the was the, uh, was the manager. You bunted towards first base, and then when he, he went to cover first base, then you tried to knock his head off. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, see, and see part, Mac- of me, part of me loves that, though. <laughs> What's that?
2: I, I I still like that old school, though. I I, I dig. See it. Hal, McCray, Hal McCray was my hitting coach in oh, yeah. Cincinnati for oh, two years, God. and you'd see some old yeah. clips of Hal McCray taking out a second baseman. Second I used to baseman, tell Hal, oh, yeah. I said, we would have been fighting.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guess what? That's part of it. You know what that's I'm saying? Part of the, and plus, nobody me. nobody got kicked out or nothing for that. You know what I mean? It was, it was like because, hockey. Okay, you,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 and and it was kind and it was kind of fun. You know what I
0: mean?
2: Yeah. <laughs> that, oh, those, no are, those are those some good. You talk about you going to LA and and uh, mm-hmm. you were you were excited about going to LA and and I just want to tell you, I talk about it all the time. But you know, I, I I've lived such a fortunate life in in the family that I've been. You know, the grandpa and then watching my dad my whole career, having a career yeah. of my own. And I love baseball and I love this game. And I like the current game and and people that have a problem with this and that it's still baseball. It's pure at the core and it's, and it's America's pastime and I'll always love baseball, but my favorite times are those times like 76, when you go to the Dodgers and and my dad, you Mm -hmm. talked about being in Philly and seeing me on the, on the field, man, those are some fond memories. Those, those Philly teams. And I remember, you know, dad, when you, when they come out to play the Dodgers, because it was different back then there was the NL yeah. East and the NL yeah. West and two teams Man, we made had it. some
1: rivalries. I'll tell you, if it wasn't for the Dodgers, the Phillies might've gone. the Phillies and the Expos, either one of those teams might might've gone to the world series four or five years in a row. You know that? Right. Yeah, you beat I you mean, beat
2: were, you beat the Phillies in seventy seven and seventy eight. I still to this day I can remember yeah. Gary Maddox coming in on that ball and dropping it. Yeah, I well, can remember well, that, that. That,
1: that. That was that was a ball I hit. That was a low line drive. He didn't really drop it. That's what I tell people. It's a low line. Yeah. drive. You know I mean?
2: <laughs> but I'll tell you, some of those rivalries, I just still oh, to this yeah. day. I'm 50, I'm fifty three years old and i still think back to those dodger uh, those dodger philly yeah. games in the playoffs and Jerry matthews
1: and, and oh uh, man was a no. uh, ball off the wall but you know you know your dad got me kicked out of the game because like uh you know your dad could frame that ball on the outside part of the plate better than anybody and so frank pulley was a home a home plate umpire and frank used to call the ball away and see. Hank used to tell us, always keep the, the umpire in equation there. Are some umpires have a big plate. Some umpires have a small plate. Some umpires, the bigger umpires would call the high pitch, the lower umpires, uh, the shorter umpires like Dutch Renner and guys like that, uh, uh, you know, Bruce Roman would call the ball down low. Well, Frank Frank Pulley used to call the ball on the outside. And your dad knew it. And I'm telling you, he... he he was off the plate. Bam. The guy hits the, he hits the glove and he goes, strike one. I said, Frank, that ain't no strike. Well, your dad heard that and he went out there a little further. Boom! And, and, and he goes, he goes, I told you, John, this is what Frank police I told you, John. Then he called, he went out there a little further and he hit it again and he goes, huh, I told you. And, 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 and then me and Frank, got in a big argument and see, like, I, I like Frank Pulley because we came up through the minor leagues together. You know, there are probably some umpires that you came up, you know, through the minor leagues uh, at the same time. But your dad, i never forget, your dad got me kicked out of that game because he was framing up pitches on the
2: outside. <laughs> he was good at it. He was good at it. I, I, I look at some old tape. I'm like, for that generation, that time, Man, dad was good at, at framing those pictures. Oh, I hear about it all and the time from the guys down, like you, you that, know. that lived it. But as a kid now I watch it and, and I see what you're talking about.
1: But your dad can sit down and, and, and get comfortable down there. Like, and, and your dad was big, you know? And I was like, Oh man, how limber is this guy? to me to sit down on, 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 on. I mean, I couldn't even sit down at a concert. I to stand up all the damn time but to see your dad catch the way that that you know that he caught and your dad got some big hits okay i mean that, people don't ever talk about that i mean your dad two outs with a runner on base uh, or if they had to get a runner over a sacrifice fly your dad would get him in damn near every time
2: yeah he was he 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 was uh he was clutch and he, in 1980 mm-hmm. when they won the world series uh they beat the royals but they went through Houston. It's one of the, one of the biggest, uh, one of the classics. You know, you see it on MLB Classics all the time. But, uh, but he got some big hits in that series, and he always talks about it. You know, and he'll be talking to my son now, uh, talking the game. And he'll be like, well, you know what I did? kid in 1980 Nolan Ryan's pitching for the Houston (laughs) Ashes and I just you know you know it's storybook time and sometimes as a kid you just kind of look at him like "All right, grandpa whatever Mm -hmm. and I tell him all the time I pull him aside I said one day you'll realize how cool these stories are buddy
1: yeah I heard that yeah because my son I told him I was going to bail with you today and and I guess he had played with your son
2: yeah he played with Jake I saw your son play good player I didn't know that uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I, I, I didn't – I mean, I know it was Bob Boone's
1: grandson. But, uh, you know, you like just didn't know which son. one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I didn't know because I told you, man, as a as a kid, uh, when I was a player, there were Boone's everywhere. Now, yep. how many Boone boys are there?
2: Well, all right, it starts, with, it starts with Grandpa and then Dad – well, obviously you played against Dad for a long time. Right, his right, uncle right, – right. Played through A. How many brothers? And you then I had two brothers: Aaron, who's two managing brothers. against yeah. you now with the Yankees, and then yeah, yeah, Matthew. Yeah, yeah,
1: I thought there were three of you. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Matthew Boone. Uh, he was a high draft pick. Never got to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. And then you got well, Jakey are those Boone, who you two-
1: played with for all those kids on the field in Philadelphia. I mean, there must have been about ten of you guys out there.
2: Well, there. Yeah, there was the McGraws' kids. There was uh, Carlton's kids, <laughs> Luzinski, Luzinski's kids, uh, Pete Rose Jr. There was yep. a bunch of us coming and going. And and you're right about those days uh, as every a kid. Every day. Every day. We did whatever we want. And then as soon as you proved to the to the guys that you could handle. I mean, Dusty, I was, I was seven years old taking infield before the game mm-hmm. and it was just like i was out there with boa and i'm like he's like can you handle this i said larry you see me i can handle this yeah, so i'd be yeah, out at yeah. seven years old taking infield and thinking is isn't this what every kid gets to do i'm <laughs> and, telling you and, man and you,
1: hey and, and see i grew up with Bo, both from Sac, him randy right. lurch all of them uh, uh, john Vukovic all of them from sacramento and people ask me when my son got rescued uh you know, at that the 2002 World Series, you know, oh yeah, home plate, young and stuff. Yeah, and you know something—that's, I mean, you took your kid to the ballpark, and and his own and and long. Time, you know what I mean? A little smart aleck, little uh, little dude. The players will let you know if they want your kid around or not. You know what I mean? Right, Because love having their kids around. You know what I mean? And that's what my kid was doing out there then because I was I was emulating when when I saw when I used to see your dad out there. You know what I mean? And and all them boons. So, so so you guys had a had a had a big influence and the bells, you know, had a big influence on me as a as a father, a parent and a ball player.
2: Definitely, uh I look back and, and I had a pretty st- Pretty darn special childhood. In 77 and 78, you go to the World Series twice, and you lose both. Finally, in 81, 80, you won the Silver Slugger. Uh, 81, you're an all-star Gold Glover and Silver Slugger winner. And, or, I'm, I'm sorry, in 81. 82, you're an all-star again. But 81, you win it all. You, the Yankees have been that, that team that you couldn't get over the hump on. You finally beat them. You're a World Series champion as a player. What's that feeling like?
1: Well, I mean, it felt great. I mean, especially I was tired of playing the Yankees, tired of getting beat by the Yankees. And being a Dodger fan growing up, I didn't like the Yankees either because they always beat the Dodgers, just like the Celtics beat the Lakers. And, uh, uh, you know, that was big. Uh, and I'll tell you, man, when we lost in 78. I think we had a 2 nothing lead over the Yankees, and they beat us four in a row. And I don't think that year we had lost we hadn't lost a series at home I don't think all year. And the Yankees came out and and beat us three in a row there and we had to go back to New York and lose again. That was a that was like a ghost trip. I mean that was like a trip seemed like it took two days to get home and then I remember getting home, none of us wanted to come out of the house for a month cause we were ashamed, you know what I mean? And, uh, I mean, we wouldn't go to a grocery store we wouldn't go to a bar. We wouldn't go anywhere because all you heard about was losing to the Yankees. And, um, uh, that's why it was, it was so special for me to, you know, you know, to beat them Yankees this year. Cause you know, the Yankees, man, they, you know, they've been tough for years and they're, and, and they're reloading now. And uh, I'm urging our team that you know we need some more ammunition because the Yankees are reloading and I know they're reloading for us so I think it's going to be a you know a heck of a year this year a heck of a pennant race this year uh, just like it was last year or probably even better
2: you finished playing after after 86 uh, were you thinking when you retired or when you were done as a player were you thinking you want to get back into the game. You want to coach, you want to manage, or was it something that just kind of can, I know right when you retired, you became a stockbroker. For instance, Mm -hmm. I had no clue. I retired dusty. And back then, you know, I was 36, 37 years old. And I was was from the mindset. I I was from the mindset of when I'm done playing second base, I don't want anything to do with it. I ride off of the sunset. I'm done. Well, I I realized real quick that maybe that's Mm -hmm. not what I want to do. and, And I got too much life to lead. And, and, uh, you know so now I well, have the same I'm attitude at slow-
1: that's the same attitude I had Brett I, I I didn't want any part of coaching or managing, you know because most guys that end up most guys leave the game not with a real great taste in their mouth. they've probably been traded a couple of times, probably didn't play at the end of their you know end of their careers and um, and then Al can Campan- <laughs> the derogatory racial things, and then um, um, al Rosen you know you know, came looking for me who I didn't even know. And then I got divorced uh at that time, the same way I signed uh through divorce. And here I was. And then um uh I remember my I was living in southern Cal, wanna come back up to Northern Cal and I asked my dad if, what to do with my dad mountaintop and 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 pray on, on, you know, for direction. And so I went to Lake Arrowhead, went up there with my brother and our, and our daughters. And, uh, even before I said a prayer, somebody tapped on the shoulder. There was the owner of the Giants who I had played for one year in 84, uh, uh, Bob Lurie. And he goes, that's, you need to come join us my dad on the phone. I said, dad, you think that's a sign? He goes, son, he says, you went up there to ask for direction. And it taps you on the shoulder even before you even open your mouth. And he goes, that's something that you don't want to see. That's something that you didn't want. So I called Mr. Rosen back and I said, okay, man, let's talk. And, uh, and he asked me, he goes, you know, what job would you like? I said, I'd like to be your assistant. And he told me that I was better suited. He think I'd be better suited for the field. Well, as was African American in <laughs> the field don't sound too good. you know what I'm saying? So yeah. he goes, He goes, I didn't mean it like that. He goes, I I think you'd be a great field manager, but it's going to take five years to get the player out of you first. And so I was the first base coach, and then I was uh, uh, the batting coach for the next four years. And in five years, I I told myself I'd give myself five years. He said it would take five years. And I said I'd give myself five years, and if I'm not, managing to play. So I'll go do something else, hell announcing or whatever. And so five years in one day from the time I made up my mind, I was named the manager of the, of the giants. And, uh, so like I said, most of, most of my life has been filled with, with things that I didn't necessarily want to do, but I was chosen to do it. And so now I'm at a point where I kind <laughs> of, except with what, what I'm supposed to do. Just like, just like managing the, the, the Astros.
2: So you pick up the giants. You're, it's your first time skippering. it's, it's 1993. You're taking over for, uh, for Roger Craig, who was kind of legendary. You're at candlestick park. I remember those days walking in and, and that's how I remember Dusty Baker. And, and I think everybody remembers. And, and we had a chance recently, uh, you and myself to sit down at the, at the winter meetings and just chat and you know a little bit mm-hmm. about baseball but a lot of a lot about life and it just reiterated to me why dusty baker is so appealing and why everybody he loves him it's it's there's something about you and I, and I mentioned this to you all those years playing against you Uh, We probably didn't talk for more than than 30 seconds. Hey, Dusty, how you doing? Hey, Booney, how you doing? You know, give me a little jab or I'd give you a jab about tonight's game. But somehow you make everybody feel like you've been buddies for life. And the other night we were sitting down talking. It's like we've been we've known each other our whole life. We've been playing against each other for a while and our families. But you have that way about you. It's just something innate, and and I think it's it's something you have. It's a gift. Not too many people have that. Uh, and, and when I you know talk to people and say I'm going to do Dusty, and they have the same story. I was talking to Sean Casey today, and he's like yeah. We're at the same thing. I see Dusty, and and it just seems like he's been my buddy my whole life. I said that's what makes him him. You had some great players, and in with the Giants, you had Barry Bonds, who. My opinion, mm-hmm. I've never seen anything close to it. You had Sosa in in Chicago. You had Griffey with the Reds. Uh, Harper with the Nationals. Uh, and you know, I picked one out for for Houston. Oh, Yet yeah. Verlander, Verlander, future Hall I, of Famer. I had
1: Joey Votto in Cincinnati, and and, and Joey Votto, and Jay Bruce. Oh man, I had some good players. Hey, you know who who they rarely talk about, which I think are you know were were great players. You know, which I think Jeff Kent should be in the Hall of Fame. I I'm mean, with you, 100.
2: 100. I,
1: I am not Kenya Jeff Kent, and you know, I had some other great players like like Moises Alou and and Derek Lee and Aramis uh, uh, Ramirez and 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 uh, Ellis Burks. I mean, man, they. they I, I've had some great great players, Richard Rieger, guys that could, you know, I mean that could. They all could hit because, see, I've never been around players that can't hit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. I love I love pitchers because you can't win without them, but I love guys that can hit. And uh, I remember Ralph Gard telling me, he said, Baker, he said, man, if they had a baseball tree, you shake a tree and about 22 gloves would fall out and about two bats. You know what I'm saying? So That's right. Yeah, I love guys that can hit.
2: I don't know if you remember this and and I know you gotta go, I'll let you get out of here, but when you first got the job with Houston, uh, I was I was at the MLB network for about four days doing some shows and I got your first interview and I remember I remember hearing the news and, and you know at the time and I'm not gonna bring up the Astros that the past story, yeah. but you were right in the heart of it. And I remember turning I forget who was on the desk with me, but I turned I said, that's the perfect man. To have the job in this situation, because if anybody c- can deflect what they got coming right now, it's Dusty. He's the perfect guy for the job. I did that perf- that first interview with you. I'll I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, and you went through. You lost the World Series in twenty one to a tough Braves team. Uh, oh yeah. You finally bring it home, and and a and a surprising uh, Phillies team. They just got hot at the right time, and they were tough. That one two starter for them was oh, tough. Yeah. You end up you winning mine. the World Series. Uh, you've been through so much as a player. You've been to three World Series. You won one as a player in 81 we discussed earlier. Uh, you've been to the playoffs so many times as a manager and as a coach. You've been to a World Series as a coach. You've been to several World Series as a manager. To finally get it done this year, and we, we talked about it at the top, how does that compare to everything in, in Dusty Baker's career, including that 81 championship as a player?
1: Well, I mean, to me, I I expected it. And, um, you know, I mean, what you think will happen will happen. And, uh, um, you know, if it had happened any sooner or happened a couple of times, I, I probably wouldn't be in the game, you know. And maybe I was supposed to be in the game this long. And I always said if I win one, I'll win two. So you got to win one first. And so I'm expecting – you know, you know, to win another one this year, and then uh, you know, make a decision on what I'm gonna do, you know, with my future. But again, you know, I'm gonna let God tell me what to do and where to go, because it seems like whenever I make up that uh, my mind on where I should go and where I should uh, be, it kind of ends up screwed up. So I'm just gonna live my life and then let things happen as they happen, and just try to do the right thing as much as you can.
2: Well, Dusty Baker, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the Boone Podcast. What a uh, what a great career! Not only as a player, but but uh, definitely as a as a manager. It's fun to watch you. Best of luck this up and coming season. And what we do each and every Boone Podcast at the end of the podcast is we kick it back to the voice of the podcast, and that voice is Dan Levy. Dan. <laughs>
0: Dusty Baker, before I let you go, I have one question being here in Chicago, and the question is this, Sammy Sosa, should he be in the Hall of Fame?
1: Yep, because, I mean, I think him and Mark McGuire, for what they, they saved baseball. Now I don't know what happened. I don't know what transpired, but all I know is, man, every night for a couple years there, people were going to the TV. Uh, You know, they wouldn't turn their TV, wouldn't go use the bathroom, wouldn't do anything if those guys came to bat, and uh Uh, You know, that era of baseball, they saved baseball.
0: Should the Cubs welcome him back to Wrigley Field?
1: Yeah, I don't understand why he's not, you know? I mean, you know how much joy um, uh, and pleasure this guy brought to the the Cubs fans when they really didn't have a whole bunch to cheer for at that time, you know? So why is he not welcome back to Wrigley Field? Can you tell me that?
0: I the I guess the way he ended when he uh, stormed off the last game and apparently just left the team hanging, I guess I left a pretty bitter taste in everybody's mouth. And for some reason, they have not gotten over that. Wow. Okay.
1: All right, man. I got to go, guys.
0: <laughs> Thanks for coming on the program, Dusty. Appreciate
1: hey, this it. The long, this is the longest and, and most pleasurable interview I've had in years.
2: Okay. So.
0: <laughs> Thank you. That's going to wrap it up for the Boone Podcast. My name is Dan Levy and I'm the technical director, producer, and voice of the Boone Podcast. The executive producer is Rich Herrera. The digital content for the Boone Podcast is provided by Liz Landry. Please share the Boone Podcast with neighbors and friends and make sure you subscribe to the Boone Podcast so you never miss an episode of the show and while you're at it, please give it a five-star rating and share your feelings about the Boone Podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. For all of us here on the Moon Podcast. I'm Dan Levy. Thanks for listening.